This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Something a bit different now and it's in a space that I spend a lot of time on social media, particularly Twitter for me, but there's a group called Areto Labs and they've uh, done a report uh, surrounding online abuse and it's fascinating. I've read the report. So joining us from Areto Labs is Jacqueline Comart. G'day Jacqueline. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Uh, fascinating report. I found myself reading going, wow, and really, and oh my God. Uh, but uh, we'll talk <laughs> about that. But who and why this report? Um, great question. So who? I worked uh, with an organization called Team Heroin that is led by Rebecca Soden, who used to be a, uh, is it Blackburn, Whiteburn? Yep. She was a footballer yep. uh, for, for New Zealand, and she has a... She has a company uh, in Europe that she's working to build the uh, marketing and sponsorship um, ecosystem around women's sports. And we worked together with her to build out this report. What we did was we tracked online abuse at the 2022 Wimbledon Championships and the UEFA Women's Euro 2022. Yeah, I saw that you targeted Wimbledon, and I thought, why? But the the, the well, my my supposition is like it's widespread across all sports, and and you've gone. Let's just sample one, and you can contain it and get really accurate reporting. Is that why you targeted Wimbledon? Yeah, Wimbledon. I mean, tennis is a really interesting sport in as much as you know, rather than team sports with uh, with tennis, you have one person representing an entire, I guess, team or brand. And so it's really interesting to track um, tennis players for online abuse and then compare that to team stats because the, the persona of an individual tennis player is often greater than the, the um, persona of a team. And so it's interesting just to compare those stats as well as, you know, Wimbledon is a massive tournament. I think this year it was the most attended tournament in 140-something uh, years, and it also set a streaming record. So it made sense that this was... There was something in the air that this was a good one to look at. And dare I say it may have set a record for abuse as well because I was amazed. In fact, not amazed, I was disturbed at what I read in your um, report, which I guess was you know bringing to light something we talk about, online abuse, and there's that throwaway line of keyboard warriors. I see it on the daily on Twitter, whether it's against politicians, sports people, actors, singers, the whole lot. They just absolutely cop it. What... What are the forms of abuse that you categorized? Um, so we we look at general abuse, so things around insults, um, but we also start to look at you know breaking down uh, the types of abuse uh, around, uh, apart from insults, including identity attacks. So identity attacks include racism, sexism, any sort of LG, anti uh, LGBTQ sentiment. Um, we look at threats as well. Threats is really important for you to be able to identify online because, you know, threats online can turn into threats offline as well. And then also any sort of sexually explicit language uh, directed at any of the athletes and teams as well. 
Why is it a growing thing, Jacqueline? Why is it so prevalent and just seems to be growing? Is it is it the anonymity of the people that are uh, perp- perpetrating this um, this abuse? Uh, I mean, great question. I I mean, I don't even know if it's if it's growing. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, we've been tracking for a few years, and it just seems to be just what what happens. Like I, I wouldn't say that it's increasing. I think we're learning a lot more, and we're actually recognizing that it is an issue. I think you know, years ago, you could yell at people online, and nobody really realized that it was an issue. But with athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka. Um, speaking out last year and dropping out of um, their big events to say, actually, I need to take care of my mental health. And a lot of that has to do with the abuse that they receive uh, on social media, that that actually has raised awareness. So it's one of those things that's been happening for a long time and we just didn't realize. And what's interesting is that your reaction to the numbers is always the reaction that we get. They don't phase me anymore. Like it takes quite a bit to phase me and wow, that is a lot. Um, but the numbers that we saw were not surprising in terms of the volume. I think what's interesting is, you know, the, the types of abuse that different groups get. Uh, but the volumes are big, uh, and it's always a shocking number when people uh, first see it. And that's when they start to realize, oh, okay, you know, I, I might see one awful comment online every day. Or, you know, there's a, especially on Twitter, um, there's a thread that I'm in that, you know, I can see all this awful stuff, but that's sort of it. But once you start to see the numbers in the hundreds of thousands, um, then that's when it really hits home that it's okay. It's actually a massive, it is a massive issue. Who is, who are the, and I say popular, that's usually used in a positive way, but who who are the ones that are attacked the most? Is it the big personalities? Is it the winners? Is it the losers of, of competition? Who are the main targets? Um, I mean, it's sort of mocked to a flame uh, quite often. So the bigger the, um, the, bigger the spotlight, uh, the, the more mocked, uh, the more abuse you will get. Um, but it, it really just depends on what's happening in a match. I think in the Euros, uh, the men's Euros last summer um some of the uh some of the english players that missed some penalty shots they were not there their standing normally is not you know a massive uh, i think they have massive following um i'm thinking about marcus rashford uh for example um but because he missed a shot uh then you know there was a, a real incident that happened on the field that then translated to online um that people jumped on so Sometimes that happens. Um, I think the higher your the, the higher your stature, the more you're going to get. Um, and I think that's actually where where some of the biggest concern is when we look at you know the rise of women's sport. Um, that you know as as women uh, women's sport uh, becomes more popular, more people are betting on uh, women's sports and are caring about it and are you know have that emotional attachment. The more online abuse we're going to see, and the types of online abuse that women. Uh, uh, athletes receive is slightly different from the type that men athletes receive. Yeah, I wanted to explore that, like both mm. the, the the numbers of men athletes, the numbers of women athletes, and also what the abuse contains towards those uh, those two groups of men and woman. How, woman, how much do they differ? Um, so they they differ. 
they differ quite a bit. I mean, volumes, what we found, especially in Wimbledon, was the volume of, um, of abuse towards the men athletes was much higher than the, the women athletes. Uh, there's lots of drama that goes on. Um, I'm trying to think of the tennis player's name who always attracts from Australia. Nick Kyrgios. Uh, who, who, that's it. Uh, he made it all the way to the finals and the, the abuse followed him as well um, because he is, you know, sort of a, a sassy, a sassy player, we'll say. Yeah. Um, definitely the volume was higher uh, for the men, but um, for women, it was three and a half times more identity attacks uh, compared to the, the men athletes and so you know while while the volume was you know more you know insult and that sort of thing just general you know abuse of you know you suck yeah. uh things like or things way worse than that uh, we wouldn't flag that um but that for the women athletes they received like the proportion of identity attacks that they received was much higher um between two and three times higher have you been able to um, get an audience or get a response from the abusers to find out why they do it and how long they've been doing it. Have you been able to profile the abusers? Um, we we don't look at that. We do. We are able to track and analyze how often people are are posting things like that. So we can we can analyze and you know be able to help people report on trolls uh, and coordinated attacks and whether something is a bot account or not. Uh, we don't do deep dives into um, who who the trolls are and, you know, understanding why they do what they do. But there are organizations out there that do that. We are we're we are talking with an organization in the UK called Kick It Out. Uh, and they're they're a really interesting organization that actually helps to um, to, I guess, um, I'm trying to think what the word is. Uh, they, they help um, people who have been charged with trolling. Um, to actually come back to uh, safer online spaces and learn how to ha- learn about what they've done and how they can actually improve the way that they communicate. So there are, are organizations that really focus on that at Pareto Labs. We really focus on, you know, identifying what the abuse is and then helping organizations moderate that. So just get rid of it uh, so they don't have to see it and then be able to counteract and make their communities more positive and inclusive and then as well as be able to report uh, any of the really, really awful stuff to the authorities. One of your taglines on the website was turning lemons into lemonade. And what resonated with me on that was I remember talking to a very high-profile all-black, um, Adi Savia, and he was copping abuse. And he said whenever he copped abuse, um, he would quite often reply to that person and just say, like, hey, mate, I hope everything's okay. You know, that message is really hurtful. Is there anything I can do to help? Um that's quite a nice way to approach it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and we we are playing around with uh, ways to be able to do that. Um, there are risks involved when you um, when you engage with somebody who has sent you something horrible, and so um, we're working uh, with our data and with some of our partners to figure out what what types of comments feel safer. Um, we we are able to now detect. Uh, microaggressions and so microaggressions we've learned are sort of a gate a gateway uh, gateway abuse uh, so to speak to be somebody becoming a troll so if you start with a microaggression like uh, you know there's a a women okay women's rugby is on right now the world cup so we might see comments like um, 
you know, these women should play against my 10-year-old boys team and see what real rugby is all about. That happens all the time for women's sports. That is just one of the regular things that you see. There's a bunch of men who share that very same sentiment across sports. So people like that can, like that, those are kind of warning signals that, you know, if we can talk to people and turn them around then respond to those comments that are, you know, just a little bit annoying. They're definitely, you know, for that example, definitely sexist. Um, but that's a really great opportunity to respond and maybe educate. Um, once you get to someone who's a horrible troll who, you know, could very well, um, you know, have a, have, um, a group of people out, uh, out there trying to attack you, uh, or, you know, there are risks of doxing, um, and other things that if you really poke the bear, that there are like physical real life dangers involved. So, um, we're working to figure out where, where, where's the threshold of being able to turn those lemons into lemonade and be able to, um, create sort of raise the, raise the floor a little bit in terms of the, um, the level of, um, of dialect, not dialect, what's the word, uh, that the level of conversation within a certain online community. We're talking to Jacqueline Comer. She's from Areto Labs. They've done a wonderful report, a disturbing report. I always celebrate it, but I think it's a necessary thing. One thing that um, like semi-concerned me, and I'm not judging you, but you said at the start the numbers didn't surprise you. You've almost become desensitised to it. Is that a portal into how we are all going to be as it just seems to be part of the the daily conversation on social media that will become desensitized to it? Um, I mean, I, th- I think we, you're absolutely yes. I think we are there right now. We do accept that, you know, seeing somebody, you know, if we don't agree with them, we kind of get excited when we see somebody comment uh, to them and, you know, not be very nice. It, it sort of makes us feel good because, yeah, we agree too. I think we've all like just become desensitized to the whole thing. Um, which we're now starting to learn uh, is actually causing damage to people's mental health. I think when we're thinking about uh, from a sporting perspective, online abuse does have an effect on players' mental health and performance. And when you think about players' mental health and performance, you're thinking about like how much money are other are organizations spending on on that team and that athlete for their own. Uh, uh, own good of their own company and if somebody's not performing on the field because they're being abused online then the trickle down effect of that is it's pretty massive in terms of you know tv rights are people going to you know keep turning it tuning into this team if they're not performing um are uh are you going to be able to attract players to this team in the future um if they're not performing and there's so many things that you know this one awful comment on social media, and it's not, it's thousands, uh, does actually impact uh, the performance. And so we can, I, I don't think we cared enough about it. I don't think that we knew enough about it. But now, like, it's, you saw the numbers. Like, it's, it's real and it's bad. Um, and there are ways that we can together, I think, as a society, agree that we don't think it's okay and just start doing something about it. Um. I'm pretty sure you've made this report available to the public. How can they have a look at it? And I will encourage people to go and have a look because I'm sure you'll be surprised and disturbed as me. How can they find it? Um, they can go on the Aretto Labs 
website. That's a r e t o l a b s dot com, and it's on the, our uh, our homepage. You'll be able to find it on there. Brilliant, Jacqueline. I, I thank you very much for finding some time to talk to us today. It's a very real situation that is part of our society now, one I don't like and um, one I hope gets better, but we're a long way to go, but at least these companies like you trying to address it, bringing these uh, bringing these numbers to light, and then we can get moving on it. Um, as I say, Jacqueline, uh, fantastic job that you and Aretha Labs have done in the interim with this report. Uh, we thank you for it, and I encourage everyone to read it. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.